All right, what is going on, guys? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. And we are continuing. It is the road to Dakar countdown to Dakar Rally 2024. And we've got another special guest today in the bivouac. You guys read the title. We are going to be talking to Tyler Theobald. Talking some rally, talking some racing, talking some riding. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where the conversation goes. But we are getting closer. By now, you would have heard the episode with Mason Klein and Lisa and Carter. Talking a little bit about the Dakar and the undertakings that are not. If you are not already following Mason, you need to be. Check the link in the description. That'll get you over to the Instagram and then also for the YouTube side of things. Really awesome to see, getting a lot of insight into what the Dakar rally takes and what is happening there and what it's gonna take to get there. And that's just a little bit of a taste. Because if you guys heard the episode with Willem Avenant and his announcement, 2025 Dakar rally, we're going along for the ride. We're gonna get a more intimate look into what it takes to get ready for the 2024 Dakar with Mason Klein and then the year-long journey with Willem Avenant. So absolutely looking forward to that. You guys better be subscribed and sharing the podcast. It is greatly appreciated. Hey, we're worldwide. This is awesome. Getting to talk and meet to a lot of getting to talk and meet a lot of new people. Sorry, the coffee's running down a little bit. But yeah. I'm absolutely excited. Here we go. It is going to be 2024. Another awesome year in North American Rally and Rally Worldwide. I think we need to start checking in with some of our uh, some of our listeners from across the pond. Talk about rally culture over there. See how we could get some of that rally culture over here stateside. So if you guys are tuned in, reach out to us. We'd love to have you on the show. Letting the music wind down here. We are almost ready to go. So let's get uh, let's get this going. Start sending the details. And making sure you know we. So that's one of the things that we've been uh, we've been doing, and we haven't lost it now. Going on, uh, starting into year number four of the Chasing Waypoints podcast being on the air and available on all your favorite podcast apps. Really worked on not changing the recipe, not giving guys a heads up of what is going on, other than like, hey, your phone's going to be ringing in a minute. Make sure you pick up. <laughs> but that's how we have fun. And that's how we make it happen. So let's turn the party down a little bit here. And let's get Tyler on the phone. We got to scroll through, do all of the fancy stuff here. So how's everybody been doing? Hmm? Everything uh, everything good? Let's get the, uh, let's get the phone ringing here. And why is this? See, this is uh, see. This is why we can't trust technology. This is why this is why we can't have nice things, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. Hello, Tyler. Hey, how are you? Doing well. How are you, sir? Doing great. Excellent. 
So, been uh, been hanging out with uh, with some people. Yes, yes, I have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mason and Carter Klein, just two amazing riders, amazing family. Just the whole family is amazing. So, it they are very much so, yeah. very very welcoming. Um, and you couldn't pick pick. Well, now that there's faces everywhere, but you couldn't pick them out of the crowd. I mean, they're very like humble and you know approachable and all that stuff. So it's yeah, 100 percent agree oh. with that. Agree with that statement. So let's go back a little bit. Lizzie told me some stuff. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> we're, we're, but we're not going to start the show with that. We're not going to start talking about that. <laughs> so tell me, tell me a little bit about the background. How did uh, how did you end up uh, heading out riding with uh, with Mason? And and where 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 do you come from? So yeah, I've got a I've got a little YouTube channel. Uh, I typically bring people out to. Uh, Southwest Utah to ride rallies with me and stuff. And uh, one of my friends who had come out a couple of times, he's also kind of a Kobe aficionado um, named Todd. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're all in the Kobe 450 rally Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mason was posting in there and we're like, wait, Mason Klein, like what? He's, he's a real person posting to Facebook. What is this? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, and so, uh, Todd, you know, a couple of weeks ago, like literally a week before we went out and, and saw Mason, mm-hmm. he was like, Hey, should I send it? Should I send him a message and see if we can go film him before he goes to Dakar? And, uh, like Todd, I mean, uh, Todd's my friend, but we've met maybe th- three times ever, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, well, yeah, why not? That sounds amazing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he sent a message to Mason on Facebook and right away Mason was like, yeah, come on out. We've got a guest bedroom and, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have you guys. out. had no idea who we are, what, you know, what I do on YouTube. Uh, but just was like, yeah, sounds fun. If we're riding bikes, that sounds good. So that's, that's kind of how it went down. And, uh, I mean, I pull up not knowing what's going on. I'm sending Todd texts. That's like, I hope this isn't awkward, you know? And uh, I get out of my car and I go and introduce myself. The whole family's outside putting up Christmas decorations and right off the bat, no awkwardness at all. It was like, I was part of the family. Like they are really the coolest family ever. So anyway, yeah, that's the story. (laughs) Nice. So, so on a, basically on a, on a whim, but I mean, that, uh, that's pretty awesome. So tell me a little bit more about the YouTube channel. What do you, uh, yeah. Um, I've been covering just kind of dual sport motorcycles for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, about gosh, about six years ago, we started doing rallies in St. George, Utah. There was just people on my channel that wanted to come out and ride. And so, uh, you know, people were actually showing up at my house just like, Hey, let's ride. And, uh, my wife was like, Hey, you need to be charging these people. Cause I would go ride with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so my wife was like, if people are going to be coming and taking your time, like you got to charge for that or, or at least like set a precedent that you're charging. So that they're not just come taking your time. Yeah. And so I put it up on a website like, Oh yeah, we're charging for this service. If you want to come out and ride. And then people started paying for it. So that's kind of how the business went. And, uh, yeah, I kind of, took a big step back from YouTube. Um, 
to just do these fun rallies in basically St. George, Utah. And then last year we went up to Capitol Reef and it's the best way to make a living I can possibly think of. It's pretty incredible. So doing, doing a little more rat, like rally training and, and just rally navigation type rides. Oh no. When I say rally, I mean, meetup. Okay. Got (laughs) Um, it. I mean, Mason and these guys, I didn't know, I didn't even know rally road books were paper until I met Mason. Like I, I know very little about rally or I did. And then I talked with Mason for just a couple hours and it was like, Oh my goodness. I mean, now I know a lot about rally. I mean, just a wealth of information and, um, uh, I'm fascinated by it. I want to start making road books now and like, guiding my rallies that way i i actually created are you familiar with the backcountry backcountry uh discovery routes yeah absolutely <clears throat> yeah everybody is i mean they're amazing i actually made my own uh that's a loop that goes from uh st george utah into capitol reef and then back around and it's mm-hmm. it's an amazing loop um just I get chills just talking about it. I wish I could show you my arm. I got, I got the goosebumps, nice. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, I, I think the way that I would like people to try and navigate that is with the road book. I think that would be really, really cool. Of course I have all the GPS waypoints and everything like that, but it would be cool to do it, uh, with a road book, just, uh, kind of to train people like that. It would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, uh, as, as more people get, um, get into it or get used to it, the ability to like, okay, well, here's the roadbook version of it. And, and here's the GPS file just in case, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think that that will, will be a safety net because I mean, I go back and I said it a bunch of times on the show is like the used gear market isn't that good. Meaning, or, I mean, I guess it depends which way you look at it, but it's not that good because a lot of the people that get into the sport, they don't necessarily get out of the sport. You know, so you're not finding yeah. used gear all the time, but also part of it is there's not as many and it's and obviously, I mean, it's growing. So, yeah, but that, that would be rad. You know, that, that's what we need more of. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of like this awareness of, of there's a new, well, not a new way. I mean, it's a super old school way, but just a, a kind of new to the community way of navigating. Um, and what I still have no idea when it comes to road books, what I have no idea how people do is if they actually get lost and get off the waypoint, like at the car, mm-hmm. how do they get back? I mean, cause you're calculating it with your, your basically kilometers or your miles. And then you have to, I mean, that, that's more math involved than I <laughs> want to do. So yeah, I would want to do GPS backups for sure with my route. So, <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah. But you know, it's interesting. So all, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you right now, and if you haven't already, there's a, there's a small little event that happens here, uh, in SoCal, the, the SoCal roadbook rally, um, uh-huh. you dude, it's gotta be on your calendar. You gotta come out oh. for that. Um, because you'll see how that, how that actually, actually works. Um, only because it, it happened to me a couple of times as well. You know, there's no, uh, I, I also, uh, work with rally comp, which does the timing and scoring systems, uh, for, for a lot of these North American rallies, actually, I want to say all of them, <laughs> but, cool. oh, awesome. but that's the thing. It has a feature where you can backtrack. Okay. Go back to the last waypoint and it'll give you an arrow and it'll get you there. You know, oh, that's good. So, so you have that, 
but and it, it will deduct your kilometers or do you have to de- kind of just keep an eye on it? Nah, you're going to have to do some accounting when you get back. You know, it's like it okay. goes off. You're like, OK, well, I know I'm back at this waypoint. The roadbook says that it's at this kilometer. So I'm going to adjust my equipment kind of like restart, you know, yeah. it's like when you're playing video games, you, you, you know, you, you take the L and then it puts you back at a certain part in the stage. And well, it's the same, yes. you know, it's kind of the same thing, you know, so you go back, but a lot of times with these roadbooks, like, especially at that event, if they're not running a system like that, um, you along the way, you make a waypoint or you make a turn, you hit a direction, the last note, and you just mm-hmm. know that's where you were. Like you, yeah. it's just like, yeah, I know I was, okay, I'm going to go back to that intersection and I'm going to try again because obviously I yeah. missed something, you know? And so there's a lot of that. And sometimes, or the big lesson I learned is like looking forward a little bit, you know, like, okay, well, I know I'm off track, but let me look three or four notes. Oh, look, there's an uphill. And then you look around and it's like, well, that's the only hill in ah. my shot. I'm going to go to the top of that and I'm just going to see if this note lines up with the rest of it. So all of a sudden, like you're not, it's not just about the, this mythical object in the middle of nowhere as known as a waypoint, but it's more yeah. like, okay, well, geography wise or in the, the geographical location and the way the terrain looks, this looks like this makes sense. And a lot of times, you know, it, it'll make sense. Now there are some issues where, or there are some things where, you might get unlucky. You know, we saw Skylar House do that. Uh, I believe it was in a in a rally down in South America, or no, it was at the Silkway. It just so happens that the wrong way lines up for a little further than you would like it to. Ooh, yeah. So then you Tricky. get it. Yeah. So then that becomes. So then it's just a matter of okay. Well, uh, I mean, you got to bite the bullet. Now you got to go back a longer ways, but it happens. You know, it's just yeah. part of the, you know, it's, it's part of it. And that's where a lot of times slowing down and navigating makes more, makes up more time than pinning it and, you know, riding at, at a speed where, you know, it's, I, I don't want to say over your head, but, you know, riding at a speed where you can't navigate as fast as you're riding. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that Mason brought up was he was like, you know, I would rather slow down, take a nice long look at the road book and then and then go fast and kind of remember the road book. And that's the thing, like Mason, like talking to him with any amount of time, mm-hmm. it's like, so I, I used to work with some gifted kids, mm-hmm. um, as a teacher and, and talking with Mason, I'm like, okay, this kid is gifted. Like he, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's basically telling me, oh yeah, you know, I had to do a little trigonometry to get back on course here. And, you know, that's something it's really interesting because I look at it and I'm like, you know, that's two things that I wouldn't put together as being fun, like motorcycling and uh, accounting, <laughs> like what you said earlier. You know, what I mean? it sounds like that sounds like a terrible time. It's like, hey, motorcycling is really we got this really fun thing, riding motorcycles. And then we've got accounting. Let's do them together. Yeah. And it sounds weird. <laughs> but I'm telling you what, like, it's so fascinating. And and to to force yourself not just to go fast on a track or fast through a course, but to force yourself to actually lift up your eyes and soak it in. You know, Skylar Howes has talked about that. Mason's talked about that. Where uh, Skylar, in particular, in particular, I was just watching a little video of his a while ago, mm-hmm. and he was like, "I can't believe I'm out here." like doing this. And he's like, sometimes I'm just riding and having a really fun time and just enjoying this beautiful scenery. And then he's like, Oh, right. I'm 
racing in the biggest race in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I love that there's a mental aspect and, uh, I mean, cause I'm unfamiliar with rally and I'd, I'd imagine that a lot of the people who watch my channel are also unfamiliar with rally and road books and man, it just adds this whole new element of kind of racing. Plus you have to look up, you have to look around, you have to notice the, the landscape, um, to navigate. And so I just think it's like this amazing, uh, synergy of all these cool things. And yeah, you wouldn't throw accounting in and think, Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, but just, uh, just how Mason's describing it and everything. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I need to get one of the Kobe pros with a road book and then start, start doing this. Cause it just, it does sound like a whole different sport almost, uh, you know, anyway, sorry, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, and that's the, uh, that's the, that's the thing is like, is it's more challenging, you know, it, you get, uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of aspects to it, right? It's, it's a challenge. You could, you could ride 20 years in the same area. And the moment a buddy of yours, right. Makes a road book, right? You guys get together and every other weekend, it's somebody else's turn to make a road book. And you, all of a sudden this, you know, 50 square miles, you always ride in. I mean, you know, every rock, every bush, all of a sudden you don't know where you're at. Yeah. You, you don't know when the next turn's coming. You don't know, like, I mean, you know when it's coming, but it's tough for you to recall. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, looking at this list of directions and go like, Oh yeah, we're going to go up to this mountain and then we're going to hang a left up here. You know, it, it's, it's hard. You know, it, it brings a whole new or breathes a whole new life into the same area. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it, which is awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of hooked when Mason was telling me about it. And of course, you know, Mason pulls, you know, his family's just it's such a cool family and uh, Carter's there. Anyway, we, we go inside and he's like, do you want to try to do some rally roadbook navigating? And this is at night and I'm kind of, like, kind of like, okay. And he's like, well, I've got the Dakar Xbox game. And so he throws that on and then he turns off all the assists and everything. Mm -hmm. And so you just have like the road book that you have to look at while you're like racing in this video game. And, and, and it was so challenging, but like at the same time, like addictive, like suddenly you're not just riding through open space through some dunes suddenly it's like when you hear that ping you know you're like oh yes and then you and then it gives you the next waypoint and you turn to the compass coordinates and it's rat like i was like i want to do this in real life like it was it was almost in instantaneous like this is so cool so yeah he, within not very long he got me hooked i'm i'm stoked <laughs> yeah well and you know then that's the and that is exactly it. and actually i don't i don't know for you know for those playing the home game as i say is i don't know a lot of people know this but those road books that are that are in that video game are real road books they were actually what? they were actually taken from one of the dakar rallies in south america where one of the Whoa. one of the editions of it so that is a real road book that you're navigating uh in there which is awesome holy moly yeah so you kind of get to see in and yeah when you don't realize like well you know, you literally just did the same notes that, you know, Toby Price did, you know, then or, you know, any of the other <laughs> any of the other competitors. So uh, obviously it's a little bit safer from home, a little more comfortable. <laughs> but yeah, 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 it's it, you know, it, it's really awesome to see that, you know, that that they would incorporate it to that level. 
you know, to get to that, you know, that focus. And I, I did the same thing. I bought, <laughs> I bought an Xbox. I went and I got the game and, you know, every once in a while I screw around when I'm not, you know, busy with a bunch of stuff. But for that same thing, it's like you can create experiences and, um, and I regret to inform you once you start sitting down in, uh, in front of like rally navigator and start doing road books, it gets addicting. Oh, you, it makes you want to like it literally well it makes you want to go ride it that much more like i just recently did an event and we were doing um you know they wanted to know well how far is it to this gas stop or you know the gas station separations how much of it is dirt how much of it is road i'm like well if i just practice making a road book and and i do it i'll be able to tell you you know, based on the yeah. terrain, but then you start looking at the terrain and where they're going to be going. And, you know, from 30,000 feet, you're looking at the satellite image. You're like, okay, well, they're going this way on the course, but I know this is how the note is. I could mm. go this way and still end up in the same spot. You know, you start seeing all these things and it just like makes you want to go ride it that much more. Yeah. So, so something interesting before I knew what road books even did what they were. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm routing this huge, you know, thousand mile multi-day loop through Utah. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, have you ever heard of the kind of mapping navigation or just kind of, I don't even know if it's, I could call it waypoint software, but it's called what three words. Have you heard of that? No. Okay. My brother told me about this and what three words is basically GPS coordinates or, or it's, I think it's 10 by 10 meter or no, 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 no. Sorry. Three by three meter squares mm -hmm. all over the entire world. So the entire world is a grid split into 10 by 10 foot, basically squares. Mm -hmm. And, um, every single square has three words that coordinate with it. Ah. And so, um, you know, if, if you said like, maps, colonoscopy, football, <laughs> like so just three random words, you would come up with an area in Saudi Arabia or, you know, some other combination of three words would be my house. Yeah. And, and, you know, so instead of saying, you know, here are some crazy coordinates with tons of decimal points, you just give three words. Mm -hmm. And I actually started routing uh, this, this route that I made. I, I called it the Everide Loop but I started routing it with what three words almost as like, Hey, this is going to be a totally new way to route this. But then I realized, okay, to use what three words, you got to be kind of plugged into the internet and you have to look at the three words to find out where it is. Huh. And some places don't have internet. And so <laughs> I was like, I'll just do normal GPS waypoints. But yeah, now the, the rally book is there. I think it's to, just a totally new way to, to do something. I'm, I'm really kind of pumped to maybe put a roadbook together for it. Right. Be cool. So, well, and you know, that's in, and it brings another thing to it and, and this will be, um, so this, this part of the episode will be the, how do we sell it to our significant other portion? Yes. <laughs> uh, roadbooks are safer because the, the line on the map, unless the person that created the GPS file purposely went through and marked things with a waypoint and then you know how to import not only the line but with the waypoints so you yeah. have that point on the ground where this is the this is the one this is the uh, the kaiser permanente hold or right area because this is where you're gonna spend all of your copay <laughs> you know that's <laughs> you know unless they did that 
then a roadbook will be safer because the roadbook is going to tell you that, hey, that's coming up. Or it could be something yes. as simple as uh, as a corner. You know, that was one of the things that I was telling. Like there was a lot of uh, this last event. There was a lot of people interested in roadbooks. And they were all talking about how they had literally had a blue line. That's how this it wasn't a roadbook event. Um, mm -hmm. And they were literally following a blue line and a bunch of guys missed a corner off, Ooh. you know, exiting the freeway. I'm like, well, you're 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 following a line. How did you like how do you do that? And and, you know, you realize, well, yeah, well, they're on a very fast section of highway and that corner is like comes up out of nowhere. I'm like, yeah. You know, and like I told him, I'm all, if you guys would have been on a road book, you would have known that that's a 10 kilometer straight away as fast as you can go or want. And then when you start seeing your odometer approaching that, you know, that marker that like, Hey, there's a, there's a turn left turn at 73.48. Mm -hmm. As it starts getting closer to that, you're going to wind it down. Yeah. So, instead of just blow past it. Instead I'll of just blowing past it. I know trails really well in the trails that I've scouted around St. George for the rallies that I do. Mm -hmm. And I started to know the trails around Capitol reef really well. And even now I'll still blow past stuff, uh, every rally, you know, and I'm leading a group of people and I'm like, Oh yeah, well, uh, I was having fun through that whoop section or I was having fun, you know, cruising down this trail and we actually have to go back now. And they're like, what kind of a you know guide are you? And I'm like, well, I'm having fun is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Who's, who said I was the guide? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I, I, a lot I, of was, times <laughs> I was just making sure you were behind me waiting for you to make a turn. <laughs> <laughs> I was I'm just trying to keep people on their toes, right? You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's that's uh, I think that's one of the big parts about the whole roadbook thing is like, you know, you can. You can visit the same area you've always been. It presents a challenge. If you like creating routes, you know, then it's one of those things like you can you can get as detailed. I mean, I've seen people uh, like Scotty from Baja Rally lock himself in a room for like 10 hours. And oh. all of a sudden you come out and I'm literally like staring at one of his road books. And it's just all this detail and all of this drawing and just so specific in all these places. It, it's just crazy. So you can go as complicated as you want and, and then not, you could just go. I mean, if we ever printed out a map quest where was that Yahoo maps or Google, Oh my gosh, if you ever printed <laughs> one of those out, you literally followed a road book. Cause it literally yeah. told you. Wow. Yeah. In X miles, you've got to do this direction at yeah. the look at the way at the marker. Yeah. yeah it it would tell you that's so funny. Yeah. It would tell you how many miles. Okay. Yeah. It's in, in 6.3 miles. Well, but then it would give you a street name. Well, unfortunately in the desert, we don't normally have street names, but there's a bush and a tree and a cattle guard, you know, in this orientation. Okay. Yes. I am here. I have arrived. <laughs> Oh, I have wow. honored this place with my presence. Yes. <laughs> now I got to go find the other one. <laughs> so hold up. When you're creating a road book, mm -hmm. do you go out? I mean, cause it, it might be kind of something interesting to do to create a road book and literally with phones and, and with, I'm sure somebody could throw together an app that would do this, but like where it just says, okay, you know, it maps you and then you can lift up your tablet if you have a tablet on your bars or, or phone or whatever, and then snap a picture. And so it's like at this very landscape, that way 
you know, you wouldn't have to draw. Cause I, I mean, even, even by road book standards, I'm a horrible artist. <laughs> so, you know, um, that would be kind of a cool app for somebody to throw together. And maybe somebody already has, I'm brand new to this whole thing. So they have rally navigator does that. And it allows wow. you, they have a mobile roadbook app where you can do exactly what you're describing. You know, the ability to, to, you get to this area and it's like, okay, this looks pretty tricky. Let me, you know, yeah, you can snap a picture included in there, but you can also, um, you can design, literally design the roadbook as you're sitting there. Wow. Yeah. So I, 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 just, I have got, I've got to look into that. That's so cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it, there's. See, that's the thing. There's like, there's a lot of tools out there and, and the rally navigator, their, their desktop version. Um, you know, I, I did the SoCal BDR. Um, mm -hmm. I created the roadbook for the entire one, just same thing, just basic, nothing fancy, only what I could see from the satellite images. Um, again, just to get practice. And I mean, it's so cool because you know, they, they parse the, the GPX files for the BDR and you know you can add the part to the end like you can like okay here's the next the next portion of it is from here to here and i believe if i remember correctly it was like where they would say is like your campsites you know or, uh -huh. or like where you're supposed to kind of stay in that area and this is the next day's route and the next we'll say stage well with rally navigator it's like you can take that gpx file and add it to the end of the other one so oh, cool so what i i would say is like um, you know, there's other places where there's like a lot of GPX files that you can find and be like, okay, well, I'm going to overlay these and I'm going to choose to go down this one. And then I'm going to connect into this other loop, you know, so you may have a bunch of loops already in the St. George area and you could literally like start laying them out on the map and be like, okay, well, we're going to do this half of this loop. We're going to do this three mile section of this loop because that ties us in over here. And like all of a sudden you're staring at this badass road book. And, oh, yes. And you're only an hour into it, you know, and and that's the thing. It's like, I, I mean, as for me, is like all my first road books, they're not going to be very fancy. You know, it's only what you can see from from the satellite image. Yeah. And maybe other special notes. But that's it. That's it. It's good enough. Like, it's literally good enough to send somebody out, you know, and, and go. I mean, obviously, you want to proofread it and maybe write it yourself. But <laughs> you're going to find that you're probably pretty damn close if you've already ridden that trail. Now, if you're, there's a lot of people that do it 50,000 feet up and they're like, well, this looks like a trail. And especially if you're in California, this won't work. Fences, new terrain yeah. features, things that, you know, uh, so yeah, dude, it, yeah. It, it's crazy. So how That's much? Awesome. Yeah, no, it, it, it is it, very much so. I mean, you get, I mean, you could spend a whole day in front of the computer and, 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 you know, before you know it. So how much, uh, how much writing did you guys do? What did you, what did you guys do? Okay. Yeah. Well, um, going back to me. So my arm is broken. Um, <laughs> so I, I broke it on October 11th was the day of infamy for me. Oh. That's probably not even cool to say, you know, cause the you know, that yeah. day of infamy, no disrespect to that, but, uh, yeah. you know, uh, it's, uh, it's the first broken bone that I've had riding in a long, long, long time. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So, uh, and that came out of nowhere, a wash in the middle of a whoop section and it just, uh, bounced my rear shock, broke my arm. Anyway, the, um, so I wasn't able to ride, but what I did, what I do kind of semi-professionally and I, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm like professional as in like, it's my main job. Cause man, I, 
I wouldn't do it as my main job while I still can ride motorcycles, but um, I am a pretty decent FPV pilot. And so I had my, my FPV drone out there and I was able to uh, follow Mason and follow Carter and um, just get some really cool shots. And, and that's kind of what I wanted to do for them. Um, and then just give them that footage so that they could put things on their Instagram, um, uh, you know, put it on their YouTube channel, just kind of use that footage whenever they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I also, you know, um, uh, I, I'm a Kobe affiliate, so I'm not like working for Kobe, but I, I get paid if I sell their motorcycles. Um, just like, you know, you get paid if you sell something on Amazon and you're an Amazon affiliate. So, um, anyway, so, uh, you know, my, my kind of goal was like, Oh, okay, well, I'm going to go show, ask this Dakar pro what he thinks about the Kobe, you know, and maybe he's like, Oh, it's crap. Or maybe he's like, Oh, it's great. Um, and, uh, yeah, what I heard, uh, what I heard him say. And, and, uh, when I interviewed him and everything, he's like, yeah, I mean, I'm putting a video together right now. It's, it's hard to edit things. Um, but he was like, yeah, this is, this bike can win stages right out of the box. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to give me a more powerful version, uh, when I get to Saudi Arabia and, uh, you know, the Kobe rally EX, I think, or XE, I can never remember. I hate letters and numbers. I'm <laughs> but, <laughs> whatever it is, it's the new Kobe, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, um, anyway, so he's like, so he's got one, he's got a rally pro like torn down and that's just, the, I mean, that's the thing. I went out there to kind of be like, Hey, I want to really get the scoop of what he thinks about the Kobe because you know, my reputation's kind of on the line. Cause I told a lot of people like, Hey, the Kobe is great. And then, uh, as a lot of the other, uh, reviewers came out to review it, you know, they're also like, yeah, this is a dang good bike. Um, and a lot of people still doubt, you know, because it's from China and you know, a lot of Chinese motorcycles just were not good, but yeah, I mean, uh, Kobe made a good first impression on their first Dakar and then they've done well in other rallies. And then, picking up Mason, like, I don't know if they could have made a better move, um, to, to get him as a privateer to, to let him ride the bike and kind of almost no obligations type of thing for both Kobe and for Mason. Mm -hmm. Just it's awesome. But at the same time, like Mason deserves a factory team. Like he's, he's incredibly fast. He's an incredible navigator. Um, and for his first Dakar to go out and get ninth, I mean, I mean, is that not mind blowing? Does any has anybody else done that well their first Dakar? Maybe, I don't know. I'm. <laughs> you probably know. Yeah. No, it, it's um, it, it's not. It, it is not anybody showing up on their first, you know, first few go arounds uh, is not. And and not only the Kobe bikes finishing the way that they did. I mean, just period finishing. And then, yeah. you know, Mason as a rider, you know, youngest stage winner, all of these things, like it's just, there's so many like first time events that have happened just in this circle between Kobe. Yes. And Mason. Oh yeah. And, and it, what's really exciting to me, like I told you at the beginning of the, of the uh, interview, mm-hmm. like I am a dual sport fanatic. I love on road. And I love off-road. Um, I love riding dirt bikes. I love riding street bikes. But, like, the combination of the two is just my total jam. And rally does that, you know. But nobody's bringing 
rally bikes to the masses or nobody was. Mm -hmm. And then Kobe does. And I'm like, nah, it's going to be another junky bike that I have to review. And then I get on it and I rode, rode it and I was like, no, this thing's like excellent. Um, and then, you know, you hear Jimmy Lewis be like, oh, this thing's pretty good. And, and then Mason, uh, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but obviously he's a fan of the bike. Um, uh, and I mean, like we did a lot of talking off camera, off the record. And of course it's off the record. So I'm not going to dive into the details and stuff, but I mean, basically it was like, yeah, this bike is, is great. And I, you know, I asked him straight up like head to head, like, Hey, you've ridden the co the, the Kobe pro and the, the KTM, uh, factory, uh, uh, 450. Well, it's not a factory, but the 450 replica that he raced for two years. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he was like, you know, um, in the interview. So it's on the record. He said, he said, it's, you know, I can't say for the money because both of the bikes were kind of provided for me, but he's like, there's just not an enormous difference. He's like, I have to put more hours into the Kobe because, you know, most people don't know what one click even does on the suspension, you know, yeah. but he, he, he was like, you know, um, when you put in the time, when you put in hundreds of hours, then you start to know where the suspension sits. And he's like the suspension on the Kobe is a little soft for me, which is funny because a lot of the, you know, people like me, these kind of dofy dual sport riders, we're all like, man, the Kobe suspension is a little bit stiff. And for Mason, he's like, it's a little, it's a little soft and Mason's not a heavy guy. No. So, I mean, when you're really rallying out there, you know, the Kobe is a, is a rally bike. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Um, hey guys, what's going on? This is Victor with the chasing waypoints podcast. Hey, super quick. We have got some news for you guys. So Mira Activewear, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the brand. You should be. You've seen their handiwork. If you've seen pictures of Happy Dave and a few of our other riders here in the States, but also in the Dakar rally, a lot of the top pros wearing their windbreakers, custom made uh, rally suits and things like that. They have been phenomenal. They are a very, very high quality product. Awesome printing, design team, everything. But the reason we're interrupting this episode is they have got a fundraiser and promotional raffle going on right now between now and February. You want to get on over there. So you can purchase a limited edition Mira bandana set. So three special designs that will get you entered into the contest for a grand prize of a full rally suit. So check out all the rules and limitations, all that fun, you know, all that jargon. Get on over to the website. Link is in the description and let's get back to the episode. Yeah, we got we got into it. Go ahead. And I'm sorry. I keep no, no, no. getting way off topic, but uh, that's just how I am. <laughs> no, no. But I mean, that's, you know, all all of these are good. Um, I mean, they're all good points. And that was something. So I literally, you know, full to I literally just hung up with Mason, you know, less than an hour ago. Uh, oh, and, and, you know, I was talking with Lisa, talking with them and, and uh, with Lisa Carter and Mason and. Uh -huh we were talking specifically that, you know, about the suspension and how he's going, you know, with a show, a setup from AHM. Um, and I've always, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of suspension. I've more so become across the years of the, of the show is that, yeah, that the, the money spent on suspension is well spent. I mean, the three horsepower, yes. the four horsepower that you're going to gain is useless. If you can't, if the suspension doesn't allow you to have that confidence to do it, like there's, there's a whole second bike under you, once you tune the suspension and yes, 
And it's that specifically that what you just said, it's like, okay, well for Mason, it's soft, but for you, me and everybody else in the world, they're like, yeah, this is a, this is a, a, a this is a little sporte for my taste. Yeah. <laughs> so let me, let me go into detail about kind of the suspension choice. Yeah. And maybe you, maybe you already talked to that, but when I was talking with Mason, he did point out on the bike that he had. So he's got, the Kobe Rally Pro that Sunier rode in Sonora. Mm-hmm. And then he's got the Kobe Rally Pro that's taken apart in like a shipping container in his backyard, mm-hmm. which is so, I mean, that alone says so much about Mason. Like, you know, other, other guys have these big teams and big, you know, and Mason's like, yeah, I'm putting things together in my backyard in a shipping container with like a lamp, you know, it's, he's just so humble and so rad. Anyway, um, uh, he did show me, on one of the production, well, it was a pre-production bike um, that uh, his his friend Hearth Noah got a hold of, right? Mm-hmm. And so when they dug into the suspension of that, um, and this stuff was, this is a gray area. I'm not sure if this is off the record, on the record, mm-hmm. but this is kind of a gray area. But he was like, hey, on the pre-production suspension, the chrome was kind of wearing off in a worrying way. Now, for a writer like you or me, that wouldn't be an issue, but for a, a rider like Hart Noah or, or Mason, that is going It could be an issue because you're really working the suspension. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, you know, just to make sure that that doesn't happen in Dakar. He's like, I like the Kobe suspension. I think they've done a really good job. They've set it up well. Um, but he's like, just to make sure that, that that issue is a hundred percent addressed. We're going to go with the, the show of works yeah. um, and shock. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like, a, um, he was saying it was more of like, a just a, almost an assurity. He's like, you know, the show of forks are a known quantity. They've been around for forever. We know those, you know, the Kobe forks are really good, but that one issue that they had mm-hmm. not on the production bikes, but on the pre-production bikes, it's just, he's like, that just, made me a little bit nervous because if that Chrome starts coming off, you really start having issues, um, in a race like that, you know? So, um, you know, for somebody like you or me to, to fix that wouldn't be a big issue, but when you're at Dakar, Mm -hmm. suddenly that's a big thing to overcome. Uh, so anyway, it's the way that he looks at things versus the way, you know, a dual sport duffer looks at something is, is vastly different. And, you know, he's talking about, plastic gas caps. And I'm like, you know, that's funny because people in, in my community make fun of the billet gas caps, right? It's like, Oh, you went for the fancy aluminum billet gas cap. You must have some money, you know, like blah, blah, blah. But Mason's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, when it goes from cold to hot, like it does in the car and you're racing mm-hmm. plastic can crack, it cracks. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, so you're telling me that aluminum billet gas caps actually have a purpose? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You have to have them at the car. (laughs) It's so just the, the racing atmosphere versus the, you know, the goober atmosphere, it's a totally different mindset. And so things actually make a lot more sense, you know, on that level than, than, you know, plastic gas caps do for me. So, which is, 
Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, which is, you know, it's crazy. It's again, you go back, it's like, it's, it's details of things that, you know, you, I, and everybody else, I'm, I'm with you on that one. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like KTM owners be like, is, is it available in orange? <laughs> you know, <laughs> or what, you know, how do we, how do we, you know, it's like, how do you, you know, justify what are these things for? But if nobody, you know, necessarily tells you the reason and, and I a hundred percent agree with you, you know, pre-production bike. Okay. Maybe the, the, it had a coating, you know, uh, the coating wasn't done correctly for that pre-production bike. Uh, but all these other things is one, there's a ton of bikes already out in the wild. You know, that was yeah. something I was talking about with Gary. It's like in the cumulative amount of miles that have already been put on these bikes, you're already scratching at the surface of like, okay, if there was a major flaw, it would have, it would be uncovered. It, it would have reared its head. It, yes. Even if, even if you're a naysayer, even if you say that, well, you know, yeah, the Dakar bikes were, were special factory and we don't know if they changed the engine in the bathroom in the back of the motorhome or, you know, <laughs> like, you know, there's, there's always going to be the, the, the hater crowd, but you got to think that, okay, well, any which way you slice it, you don't take a bike that's a small batch, you know, bike and then complete the Dakar, all three of them with three newbie riders in, in rally. Yeah. You know, and then, and then you start backing it up with all of these other results, right? Uh, Sonora rally, finishing Sonora rally, turning around and running yes. the Nora rally on the same bike, you know, all of these things that don't, you know, and then, okay, fine. You don't believe on that. Okay. Here's, you know, hundreds of these bikes now that have that been are out in the wild, getting beat up, beat around. Yeah, yeah. no, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. It's getting harder and harder to hate the bike. It is. And, and, um, and, and the responsiveness of the factory. That's one thing that I've noticed in talking. Oh, I talked yes. to, talk to Jubal. I talked to Gary. I've talked to these guys. And you can even, even if you don't talk to them, you can see how quickly the things change, you know, with the bikes. That is super important. You know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Like, I mean, uh, we were talking in Mason's shipping container workshop. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I cut my interview that I did with Mason down to like 20 minutes talking about the bike, talking about Dakar prep and everything. We were out there for like an, a good hour at least. And we were talking about gas caps. We were talking about rim locks. We were talking about everything that works and doesn't work. And, um, it was just cool because like, you know, Mason was like, Hey, uh, you know, talks to Gary, talks to, uh, uh, Feng Shu and is like, this is an issue. And a lot of the things they're like, Oh, we know we found that out last rally we rode. It's been fixed already. And so hopefully when Mason jumps on the EX, that is kind of like the evolution of all of the feedback that they've gotten from the rally pro, not just from doofy people like me, but from actual races on the bikes, which says so much. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I, I mean, something that I just want to reiterate and one of the reasons why I'm so excited about Kobe is, you know, I, I don't owe anything to the company. I don't owe anything to Gary. Like I do appreciate that. I, I make a little money if people use a link to buy the bike, but like what more than anything, even if I wasn't affiliated at all, like, a, the Kobe is, it's, they're bringing out mass produced like rally bikes that anybody can pick up. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what it's going to do for the sport of rally road books, all this new, like kind of uncharted territory for dual sport riders is enormous. And then the fact that it actually is a good bike 
and it's being proven by like riders that ride the bikes hard, like Mason and Hark Noah. I mean, like, uh, it, it's, it's building the genre. It's, it's, it's making dual sport better. And so, you know, and, and also they're pushing other companies to be like, Oh, Hey, maybe we need to look into mass producing our own rally style bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, Kobe kind of on its own has, has really elevated just in one year, elevated that dual sport market. Hopefully Suzuki, Honda, even KTM, uh, you know, cause KTM has the rally replica, mm-hmm. but hopefully they're like, Hey, you know, people don't want, I mean, some people do want, I'm not knocking it, but you know, Honda and KTM, they're saying, Hey, maybe people don't want the, the 300 L rally. Maybe people don't want the, the 390. Maybe they really do want kind of a higher spec bike with a tower and with a longer range, um, like Kobe is doing. Yeah. And how great would it be if they got into the, into the game, Suzuki, you know, and, and Yamaha, maybe they got back with Fantic and got in the game. Like it just, it's exciting to me to see dual sport being elevated because nobody has cared about dual sport for decades. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, KCM makes the 500. It's a fantastic bike. The 350 also amazing, but they're the only ones pushing it. Like the Suzuki's got the DRZ been around since 2000 you know, Kawasaki with the KLX. And I mean, I just really hope it's like, Hey, people really do like dual sport. And more than that, people want rally. People want roadbooks. People want range, good suspension, decent power. I would love to just see an absolute transformation. And I, I think it's coming. I hope it's coming. (laughs) No, I, you know, I, I agree with you because they're, they're going to, what they've already done is brought to light. Like it, I mean, it, it's going to be tough because they literally were the first to market on, yeah. on something like this, where it's available, readily available to the public. Um, it's, it is a, a right out of the box. It is a decent performer. And a, as time goes by, people like me that have shiny object syndrome will be able to bolt more <laughs> and more parts onto it. And, yeah. and then from there, is okay how do we like from the manufacturing perspective and from all the other brands it's like okay these guys beat us to the punch now how are we going to get there you know and and it's not going to be with a twelve thousand dollar austrian you know 450 because now you got pricing or how are you going to do it like i mean i i think you've you've probably seen the spy shots recently of the new 390 with the 21 inch front you know, what looks to be 18 inch like they're building another 390. That's going to be more, uh, it's with the new Duke engine in it. And yeah. so they're, they're getting a little spicier with it, but it, like you said, is it really going to be the, like, I think they have the 300 L in their sights. Like, mm-hmm. well, if Honda's selling that, we should sell this. So, I, yeah. I honestly, okay. I mean, I, I don't want to knock on those bikes. Honestly, my, take all along has been like horses for courses, like different people, like different bikes, there's different terrains. No one bike is going to be perfect for everything. Mm-hmm. But for me, the 300 L the KTM 390, they do not excite me. They, I, yeah. They're not bikes that I, I want to own. They're bikes that I've ridden and I just, I don't care. Yeah. Um, uh, for a lot of newer riders with maybe not as much hard terrain around them. Cause I have access to gnarly terrain in St. George. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, it's like, okay, that's great. Those bikes fit well. So I'm not knocking the bikes, but, um, you know, it, it is cool to see Kobe just bringing that forward. Now on the negative side, all right, this is, this is something that just kind of like sunk my heart with Eichma, right. With the Kobe, the new 450 rally EX, right. Mm-hmm. Um, of course they got the rally, the regular version, which I bought 9,000 bucks. Uh, it's amazing. They've got the rally pro version, which I'm thinking of maybe selling mine and getting the rally pro version now, just because there are some differences there. Uh, you know, at first I was like, Oh, the differences aren't really going to be a deal. But then after seeing Mason ride the 450 pro, I'm like, Oh, there's some differences. <laughs> there's some things here. Yes. It's they've done uh, they've done a better job. I mean, and it's faster and it's, I mean, it's crazy. Um, but, uh, and I kind of predicted this a long time ago, you know, you've got a $9,000 kind of regular Joe version. You've got the $14,000 pro version, which is doing rallies and doing fine. And then the EX is now, I, th- I think they said 20,000 pounds, which I don't know what that calculates to in dollars, but I mean, that's getting up near Austrian prices yeah. and it's like, Oh no, please don't please keep making something that I can buy. I can't spend $25,000 on a rally bike. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so that kind of broke my heart that the EX, yes, it is getting closer to the rally replica closer to the, to that KTM high bar, because there's no doubt, you know, cone valves and everything uh, there. That's better. That's absolutely better. But, um, you know, they're getting closer to that, but it's kind of like, Hey, not everybody needs a bike that literally can win that car. I mean, it's super cool, but I just want a bike with a road book with a fairing on it, you know, nice, a nice range and that can do everything I want to do on it. Um, and you know, the Kobe, the COVID, the normal Kobe does that for me, but, um, man, if they, if they start going the direction of, of, you know, a lot more money for kind of that diminishing returns curve that you've seen, mm-hmm. um, with more power, less weight, it's like, Hey, I would rather, I just really hope that they don't just completely blow off the little guy, uh, yeah. and, and go the way of, of Fantic and hero where you can't get them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's my concern. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and I, and I can see it, right. It's, it's the business side of it. And you know, just looking it up, uh, if if Google serves me correct, uh, 20,000 20, pounds, we're looking at about 25K US. First, yeah, that's... that's well, I mean, that's pretty much if you wanted to get a KTM rally replica in the US, you're going to be really close to double that. Well, all, yeah. all said and done, right? You you pay somebody well, to smuggle it across the border. One. If you can get yeah. one. Yeah, if you can get one. That's been smuggled across the border. You know, they, they you know, so... Yeah. So you have that, but as long as I think they're okay to do that, if it's like, okay, well, this is a factory race bike. It's going to have the blueprinted engine, you know, it's going to have all the suspension, all of this stuff, and then offer the pro version that they still do now, kind of a gen one, but with not all the, the fancy stuff, maybe sell it without the navigation equipment, 
You know, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, even if you think about it, what the, the pro version right now is still what, like 14 K or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. 14,000. So, I mean, that's pricey, but that's what my KTM bone stock KTM 500. Yeah. I got that for, you know, yeah, 14 K. But then, you know, I could tell you right now you're with the Roadbook and two Icos. That's all. That's well over. Oh, a yeah. Rim. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you start to think and then, you know, go, go to a hit up IMS or a Cherby's for a, uh, for a, a desert tank. And yeah. now all of a sudden that's another $400, you know? And so you start yeah. really chipping away at that cost quickly when you compare well, it to even, one of the other bikes. Even then when you start, unless you get a rally kit, which let's be honest, I mean, I, I've been looking at rally kits for a long time. Um, just cause I've always looked, loved the look. I mean, that's kind of what got me into the COVID really. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, those rally kits, I mean, I saw one for the 450 L Honda's 450 L $15,000. Oh yeah. And you know, that it's looks amazing. I mean, it looks fantastic, man. I can't afford that. I mean, cause you got a 10,000 bike, $10,000 bike, 15,000 more for the, for the rally equipment, the mm-hmm. tank, the exhaust, uh, you know, the, the fairing, the windshield, and the, but then you're still on a 450L, just a heavy 450L. And and I love IMS and the cherries with the tanks and everything. But like a lot of those tanks, they're not, they, they don't have the low lobes like a rally tank has. And so a lot of that weight goes up high and it, and it makes the bike harder to ride. You have to do suspension work. There's a lot of, you know, a purpose built rally bike. That is what, that is the bar that I want to start with from here on out on the bikes that I buy. Like I, I, I'm not interested in putting a huge tank, you know, an eight gallon tank on a 500. I want, I want it there. I want it already made. I don't want to have to fiddle with it. And, you know, um, so I, I just want the industry to, I hope Kobe sells just a million bikes. Doesn't matter if I'm involved in that or not. I hope they just sell a ton. So the industry is like, Hey, people want these. Yeah. Like, Maybe yeah. we should be building these. I mean, it's I fingers crossed, man. <laughs> I know, right? Well, you know, just to like kind of play it right, playing the uh, let's let's play the fantasy bike league, right? Uh, the majority of the rally factory, well, rally factory replicas up until today are still uh, based on the trellis frame, like on the six ninety. So walk into the dealership, six ninety is probably going to be about fourteen k. Mm. Uh, say if you got the unicorn deal. You show up with 14K cash and the and the sales manager says, fine, whatever, take it. You know, no ADM, no tax, you know, out the door, yeah. 14K. Uh, hit up Kit 690. That's another five, that's 5,000 pounds or 5,000 euros. So we'll go dollar for dollar. We just, you know, won't do fancy math. That's another five. You're at $19,000 and you Oof. still don't have navigation equipment. So you're yeah. at 21, about 21K. Once you put the nav equipment on it, you, once you do all this stuff and, and yeah, you have a 690, so it's not as light as the 450 Covey. Yeah. Um, you're probably not going to be as nimble. The suspension travel, it's been, it's been neutered, you know, they're down to, I think like 250 millimeters. So you can't really hardcore off-road it like you could, uh, yeah. say the Covey with full travel. So in all directions for the time being, there's no easy way out and yeah. we'll be like filled up. Now I'm curious to see that, uh, there, what is it? The 800 rally or the 900 rally that they're coming out with? Yeah. The 800. Yeah. I, they're saying 370 pounds. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. I, I, I mean, 
I, they didn't really, exa- I was thinking, ah, they probably exaggerated with the Kobe. When I heard some of the numbers early on before I've ridden the bike, you know, kind of like some companies do, um, not even just Chinese companies, but companies all around the world like to kind of fudge things and take liberties with numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kobe was pretty on the mark with their numbers. Yep. And, uh, dude, that 800, I don't know. I don't, I personally don't like big adventure bikes. I don't like the weight of them. I need to be able to pick up my bike cause I don't want to ride fire roads all day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so weight is a huge thing for me, but man, 370 pounds for an 800. Yeah. I'm if they can pull it off, I, I, they might dude. they might be coming at the market. Like so hard. Like, once people see how these bikes are doing in the rallies, you know, cause one Dakar, okay. The Dakar and Sonora and a couple other rallies. Oh, okay. Two Dakars, a whole bunch of rallies, hundreds of riders all working on these bikes, all smashing them into the ground. Then, then the reputation really starts to take off. And the, and again, my fear is that once the reputation take up, takes off, I've seen, I've seen videos uh, where uh thing thing she was talking about, yeah, when we sell it in the United States, we're not making money. They're going to want to start making money mm-hmm. um, when that reputation takes off. And it's, you know, they're, they're basically selling the bike from what I've heard at cost, both the, both the rally regular and the rally pro version. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to do that for very long. Um, so I just, I'm worried that the price of those things is going to go up. You know, that's the, that's the thing that scares me because you don't get that kind of performance without spending some money, which is why that rally EX costs so much more because they really are putting in the best components. So uh, I just really hope there's still like a poor man solution going back to that. Yeah. You can see, you can hear it in my voice. It's like, please Kobe, don't leave us in the dust. Like, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want to have two years of, of Kobe's that are reasonably priced or even cheap for what they are, you know, and then everything just goes through the roof on prices because that's what things cost to build and, and to make money, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, uh, that is a, um, I mean, it's a real, it's a real, very real thing. You know, you see, yeah. you, you see the bike prices start creeping up and you understand, you know, the, yeah, the cost of business and things that are going. And I mean, once these things get, you know, recognized as being street legal in the, in the U S and not just for competition use only, I would a 100% expect the price tag to go up because it costs money to get it through that process. So I think, yeah, the, the, I mean, the ideal would be like, if, if you really don't want to have a middle of the road, you know, then, okay, you can have your full race bike and then you can have the standard version and then allow, have the ability, have a, have a parts catalog, because if somebody wants to go race one of these things, you know, have the availability for them to take this thing and then build it the way that they want. Yeah. Yeah. And then and I think there's a lot a of video people like, like Oh, I'm sure of it. In a video I did a while ago, I was saying, Hey, you know, and I probably pissed Gary and Kobe off. Cause I was like, Hey guys, don't buy the pro version. Why would anybody buy the pro version? Like it's got a couple horsepower more. Um, and, uh, the suspension travels the same. There's a lot of the same stuff. There are like subtle differences. The, the pro version uses, um, Mason pointed out the pro version uses uh, titanium hardware. Um, 
anyway, uh, the, uh, so in this video, I was saying, you guys, why, why spend money on the pro version? Why not get the regular spec version and then just, yeah, slowly upgrade it to where you want. Cause you can put on the exhaust aftermarket. I'm sure there's aftermarket exhaust being developed. Um, you can put on the, the, um, the uh, map, the ECU of the race bike, you know, you can buy a carbon rally tower or even a, an aluminum rally tower if you want. Uh, I just got one of those, but it's on the way. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's kind of like, you know, why not, why not kind of start with the base model and build it up? Like very few people actually need the roadbook and stuff like that. But now that I understand kind of what a roadbook does and the possibilities that opens up, I'm kind of kicking myself because I'm like, I should have got the version with the roadbook. I think I would have even more fun on it. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, I, you know, there's people are, that's, that's what I love about the whole, you know, the, the community and more people that are getting out there and doing it. Uh, somebody already drew up the, uh, the plans for a 3d printed uh, tablet holder or a, a 3d printed oh, cool. 3d printed bracket so that you could, uh, bolt, uh, amps pattern, you know, mount to it. I have, uh, I have one for a galaxy tab active and I have an <laughs> amps pattern mount that it will, I think will bolt on there. I'd have to get my hands on a bike. Um, but I've already printed the bracket out and it's oh, just, it's, awesome. the plans are out there. It's available. You know, you just got to know a little bit about how, you know, 3d printing something to, so that it's at its best strength or whatever the right mm -hmm. material, but there, you know, it's like, okay, so now you could get, and that's, that's one of the focuses that I have. And especially coming into this new year is going to be like, okay, look, we already know the recipe, like you're saying, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, we know the recipe. You could go get a pro. It's got a, it's going to have a pair of the Icos. It's going to have a roadbook reader, you know, the holder, all of this stuff. Okay, cool. Well, what if I'm not even sure if I want to try rally? It's like, well, I got a tablet that's laying around or, yeah. or, you know what I got, I, I'm going to walk down to the local, you know, Best Buy or whatever the, you know, whoever local electronic, the Seven Eleven, and pick up one of those, uh, <laughs> one of those cheap burner phones that's Android based. And I know I could download, um, you know, a, a, an app to it that'll read a road book. And yeah. so I'm, yeah. Am I, is this going to be good enough to keep up with uh, Skylar house when I run into him on the trails out there in St. George? No. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, would it, would it open up the possibilities of, of creating routes like you were saying earlier in the podcast, creating routes that are dynamic and fluid and, and, you know, challenging and they're just kind of winding through. Cause you could have a million different, I mean, you know, the trails in St. George and it, like there's a million of them, mm -hmm. but to have, you know, different road books with different routes and different challenges and different timings, like, Oh, Hey, I want to be out for three hours today. Let's, let's get a three hour road book, you know? Um, and then it just, it just opens up so much more. I think like this whole, I mean, imagine not knowing how to read or speak a language, I guess. And then suddenly you can speak that language or you can somewhat understand. And you're like, whoa, the world just opened up because I can understand another way that people do things. That is what road like in the hours that I spent with Mason that like um, the night before we went out to film. That was like my mind 
expanding like whoa this is a whole different way to ride motorcycles and it's i want it so bad like <laughs> so yeah i mean rally i love what you're doing i love we need to make it more accessible we need to make the whole idea more accessible so people get pumped on it you know you don't have to look at gpx tracks all the time um you know and especially man middle of utah there's some places that are super remote no self-service uh and like a road book it would just be a perfect way to go mm-hmm. so yeah i love it i love yeah. the whole the whole thing what you're doing i'm so glad like <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's i mean i think that's what it's gonna you know what what it's gonna take to help continue to grow the sport aside from the fact that we now have you know, we have competitive events now here in, you know, in the United States, here in North America. Yeah. You can actually, if you wanted to, you could actually go race one of these things. Um, or, and and that's the, the beautiful, I say race it, and I mean race it because you go through the registration part and you end up getting a, a number. But there is about, I mean, if you have 100 riders at an event, there's about 10 of those guys that are in kill mode and want to win the thing. Yeah. And then the rest <laughs> of the field is out there just having fun with road books and, yeah. and doing the tour. And that to me is like, you know, Hey, and, and maybe they're competitive within their class and, you know, they're leading it there, but nobody's like, nobody's going after that overall. It's only those, those top guys that are really after the overall on the rally, but everybody else is, you know, just out running their pace, you know, and it's yeah. very different group of guys and all this stuff. So I, you know, I, I think it's going to continue to grow, but I think that's just the avenues of how to make that more accessible need to be exposed and ideas need to be brought to the table and things need to happen so that it continues. You know, yeah. I mean, I can tell you it's working because I can tell you like my, just the podcast growth, just the analytics of it, you know, I can see that where and when and how things are just picking up speed and growing and growing and growing. So it's like, okay, well, this is, like we need to do more of this and, and then yeah. everybody put their collective minds together and like, okay, well this is the next, you know, this is how we get the next step done. You know, these are yeah. the things maybe it's just starting, um, you know, small dual sport road book race based rides. You know, they, there's, oh, I love it. there's events in, in, um, in Europe, but that's what they do. And it's, and it doesn't matter. I mean, manual road book, you know, with a phone app and, uh, nothing, you know, nothing fancy. And they're, you know, on a 1200 GS or 1250 and it's not, they're just doing some fire roads. They're doing some regular backcountry roads. You know, it's not anything, you know, it's not the Dakar. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, something that shocks me is even, I mean, cause I watched the Nason's video Mm -hmm. where he's like, he's riding with Skylar house and they're training. And they're doing road books like down by the Grand Canyon and near St. George. And so I just pretty much as soon as I met Mason, I was like, dude, you're going to have to show me that road book, how to use it. How do I get to where you went? Cause I want to go ride that. Yeah. But anyway, um, it was funny to me because Skylar, you know, as they're going through, uh, on this stuff, these trails that I, you know, some of the parts of the video, I'm like, Oh, I recognize that area. Maybe I could kind of figure out where they're at. Mm-hmm. And Skyler's like, yeah, well, this part isn't as technical as the Dakar. Like, this is kind of more rocky, more, more difficult, more. And I was like, whoa. And then Mason, I mean, of course, these guys are so stinking fast. But Mason was kind of downplaying it. And he's like, he's like, well, you know, it, it kind of makes me think that the Dakar isn't actually all that competitive just because of how slow I can go. 
And I'm kind of like, I'm pretty sure you're fast. Like I've seen videos of him. And then when I actually got out and saw him ride like live and trying to chase him with a drone, that'll go zero to hundred in one second mm-hmm. and having a struggle keeping up with him railing corners and stuff on this relatively large <laughs> rally bike. I was like, Oh no, no, the Dakar is competitive. <laughs> the Dakar is extremely competitive. Oh, yeah. You are ridiculously fast. Like <laughs> anyway, it's just funny. The level that they're on, they see things in a totally different way. You know, well, Mason's like, yeah, I can slow down and look at the road book. And for him, slowing down and looking the road book is faster than I will ever go in my life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's the, there, there is a, yeah. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a difference. There's, there's a difference. Be- <laughs> oh God. This is not- <laughs> All right. Let's see. We'll, we'll, we'll do some dating here. There's, there's a difference between a Pentium two and, and the current, you know, 38 core Intel, oh, I9. Yeah. you know, there's, there's a very big difference in processing speed there, you know, or, or for those really, really going back, let's go to the 14, four dial up, you know, kilobytes per oh, second yeah. To, yeah, to when you went to 56 K, you know, you were on fire and you were browsing things then once you went to 56 yeah. K. So that's, you know, it, that's just the difference. You know, I've, I've seen it in a lot of, I mean, I, I used to semi-professionally race uh, remote control cars and oh, nice. there's, you know, the kids, you had to watch out for the kids because as soon as they started getting wheel time and they started driving their processing speed, their hand to eye coordination was just so stupid fast. Yeah. You could not keep up. And, and so I think it's the same thing. You know, these guys get used to speed and, 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 and doing what it like doing what Mason does. And to us, it's like, you know, like superhuman. Yeah. It's superhuman. Yeah. And then to him, it's like, well, that was kind of slow. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he was, he was telling me as I'm filming him and I'm like, again, this is a very fast freestyle FPV drone. And, and he's like, well, you know, like I'll just kind of take it easy out there. And I'm like, my, I mean, when you're, you know, about battery sag because you've raced these, uh, RC cars, you know? And so, I mean, well, maybe you wrote, wrote, uh, raced gas. Uh, were well, you doing gas or I, I did both and I actually dabbled a little bit in FPV. So oh, sweet. yeah, so, so you, you're familiar with battery sag. I yes. mean like, you know, battery sag is when you're pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, your voltage gets a little low and then it really starts to drop off. I mean, I'm getting battery sag within like two minutes of following Mason because I was pushing it so hard, like full throttle just to keep up. And the, those FPV drones are so maneuverable, so incredible. And Mason is railing these ruts faster than I can keep up with an FPV drone. I mean, that is, he's so fast. Yeah. There's, <laughs> and for him and for him to be like, Oh yeah. You know, Toby price is much, much faster than I am. And I'm like, how fast is Toby price? And what the heck, you know? Yeah. So, these guys are just, yeah, whole, whole, superhuman, whole different level. Yeah. And then you, you know, that was something that we were, you know, we were talking about earlier was where, where did that happen? You know, because it's maybe Toby's speed comes from just literally raw miles per hour and then navigates well enough to where it doesn't, the navigation doesn't slow him down. Cause there, mm-hmm. there, there is that balance point where you could be, the world's fastest rider and the world's worst navigator all wrapped into one and you will have a horrible day almost yeah. guaranteed. And then there's the, the guy that's a slower rider or the slowest rider, 
but I mean, this guy, you give him a road book and it's like, you might as well have just given him the satellite image and told him here, you know, he yeah. can piece it together, string it together, will not get lost, will not hesitate on a single note. And now all of a sudden you've got to push because this guy's making up time on you. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's where I see Mason as the golden child. Like, yeah. honestly, like he's super, I mean, okay. Let's talk a little bit about KTM and, and, you know, there's a lot of things that are off record that I talked to Mason about. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, he was very diplomatic about KTM, about Kobe. He didn't want to say anything bad about anybody, but um, for KTM to drop him after, I mean, and, and the way that they dropped him bothers me because they didn't drop him after he crashed out after his head injury. Right. Mm -hmm. They dropped him after everybody else's rosters were full. So nobody else could pick them up, which I understand there's a lot of money involved. Yeah. And I understand, you know, KTM's a big company and, and they have a strategy to win. And one of the ways that, that they kind of needed to win was to maybe eliminate Mason. Yeah. And, and this is, this is just speculation on my part. This did not come from Mason or anything, but like the way that they let him go, where he had to be a privateer where all the other rosters were filled. That was kind of dirty to me. I, I, when he told me about that and he wasn't, he wasn't saying all oh, this was dirty, but like the way that he told me about that, I was like, Oh, that's not, that's not cool. But like, to me, Mason is the combination because, you know, people will follow him because he is an amazing navigator yeah. and he's also very fast. And he's also, very young. Mm -hmm. And so you have this combination of like, he is just getting started. He's, he's done two to cars. He got ninth his first one. He's winning stages in the second one. He was a leading overall for a little while. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, the kid's 22. Yeah. He he's, he's, this is like prodigy status for rally racing. You know, I mean, and he's, he's going to Saratoga and winning that and thousand dunas. And, and so to me, he's just like the ultimate kid to root for because he's got a super long and very promising career ahead of him. And he's kind of got this underdog story going right on right now where he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm racing, not even factory, but racing privateer with a bike. That's almost a prototype. I mean, the, the EX is like, I mean, I, I heard some kind of inside scoop on that from Gary and Gary was like, Hey, I'm kind of concerned that we're putting the cart before the horse with the EX because he's going to go race that thing. And we don't, I don't know if the parts are ready. Mm -hmm. So, I mean that, I mean, so this whole situation with Mason young, hungry, like very talented, both in navigation and in just raw speed. He's, he's just so put together that way. Um, and he's humble I mean, he's working out of a shipping container in his backyard on, on bikes that, uh, you know, are beat down kind of let, you know, on loan from hearth Noah. And like, it's just this super cool kind of Ford versus Ferrari story where KTM is kind of Ferrari with their top, you know, racers and, and nothing against KTM. I, you know, um, and I love, you know, I love the riders that ride for KTM uh, and Skyler went to Honda and everything. And like all these riders you want to see do well, they seem like such down to earth, good guys, but like Mason is like a, a kind of on a different level. Like he kind of got a little, he kind of got hosed by KTM. Yeah. 
And, and so um, for him to jump on with Covey uh, as a privateer where he has to spend his own money on a lot of that stuff, like, yeah, Covey's letting him ride the bike and they're paying some of his entry fee. But other than that, he's got like sponsors that really nobody's heard of. I think, I think he just got his, his graphics from his sponsor. They're like bright green. And I can't even remember the name of the company, but it's like a local company in California that's helping him go to the Dakar. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's just this really inspirational kind of underdog story. And uh, man, I want him to win so bad and he can win. That's the craziest part. Like he could do it. And if he does it, KTM and Husky, they're going to be crapping their pants. <laughs> yeah. like, they really are like, oh no, we made a mistake with that kid letting him go. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oops. Well, yeah. And, and that's a very, like, I mean, to me, that's a really, uh, that's a valid point. And I, and I felt the same, the same way that when, when the news was like, okay, well, he's not on the KTM roster. And I mean, and, and, you know, karma's a bitch because now Matthias Walkner is out and I was joking. Yeah. I was joking in the rally group, you know, it's like, uh, and then, and then Mason's phone, he gets the text message. <laughs> uh, we miss you. Can, can we talk? <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's what I pictured, you know? And, and, you know, to me, like before when the whole Kobe thing was coming up and then Skyler was out without a ride, um, <sighs> you know, I'm thinking like, okay, I see the opportunity with Kove because they're serious. So in my mind, it's like, okay, whoever gets on the Kove team that can help develop the bike, you know, be that test rider, be that person and help bring that, elevate that bike's competitiveness on the other end of it. Okay. Yeah. You go out, you put the thing on a podium, you know, you win a few stages and then you start looking really, really shiny at that top five at the Dakar And, and now whoever that rider is, has just proven to all the other manufacturers that they're not just, uh, they're not just an athlete. They're not just a rider, you know, they're able to help, you know, develop and foster something and get it across the line. That is to me important. And, and then can be a brand ambassador. That's one of the things that I love, you know, with Skylar house is that he has that ability. Like not only is he, I mean, super fast, competitive and can ride, you know, all of that. He's mm-hmm. also a good brand ambassador. Yeah, and, yeah. And so I see, you know, I see Mason right in with that as well. You know, yeah, he's he's a kid and I've heard and I've heard comments being made and I'm like, dude, he's look how old he is. You're double his age, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> chill. Just give him a minute. He's busy doing other things, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, so to me, it's like, OK, this is like this is the perfect move. And I in. And I kind of maybe I'm a little bit biased in this because, you know, I know Mason personally. I don't know any of the other uh, Covey riders, but man, it sure seems like they're getting a lot more. Like if I was a factory rider for Covey, I would be I don't know about in the rest of the world, but at least with all the media that I'm seeing here, I'm seeing a lot of media coverage already on Mason being on Covey. Mm-hmm. And none of the other guys, I'm not seeing posts. I'm not seeing all this. I'm seeing more of Mason. So if I was a factory writer, that'd be a question mark, you know, uh, uh, about that, you know, but, but I support them supporting Mason because I mean, at the end of the day, none of the guys on the team have put a bike on the podium. None of the bike, Mm -hmm. none of the guys on the team have led a stage at the Dakar. None of them have had, 
you know, Sanders, uh, you know, all of them, House, yeah. Matthias, Brabeck, all of these guys following them. Yes, I know. That's <laughs> so, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of positive and, and, and that's not to detract from anything. I mean, these guys, I mean, this is their job, you know, they get paid, they, there's paid athletes to do this kind yeah. of thing. And, and Hey, if this kid's got it down and he's going to, yeah, damn right. I'm going to follow him. You know, this is yeah. a tricky section. I'm going to, I'm going to get that toe into the next section and then I'll make up my time and I'll do this. It's just part of the strategy, you know? So it's not to mm -hmm. detract from what they do, but it's like, okay, I think they're putting, you know, I think, you know, with, with Gary and the, in the Cove team and everybody putting, you know, putting some assistance on with Mason and helping him achieve this. Yeah. This is going to be, uh, you know, I, I think this is, I, I literally hope he has the same, if not better performance as last year's Dakar. What's going on, guys? Victor with the Chasing Waypoints podcast. All right. Are you looking to promote your brand to a worldwide audience on the podcast? Drop us a line at podcast at chasingwaypoints.com and let's talk. See what we can do about getting you some more ears for your company and getting the word out worldwide. Well, I hope it's, I hope it's, I hope there's no injuries because I yeah. love the kid. Honestly, like I, I want, I mean, he's probably too, I mean, he's been very, very busy. I was very lucky to go hang out with him, but like him, his family, Carter, they're just, I mean, like I am sold. I'm like, these guys are amazing. Like they're sacrificing a lot to get their kid out there. And anyway, I, I, I love them. And so, you know, to look into it and to, you know, watch the videos where he's, where he is leading and, and to hear the stories where, you know, all these big names are following Mason because he's just such a stinking good navigator. And then he's fast. And, and the thing is, he's, I mean, I know the training is a lot and here's something I just want to say about Mason. Like, yeah, I'm 41 years old. I I'm, I'm out of shape. Um, I send this kid around for two batteries. These batteries last for, about uh 15 minutes right they're very high capacity batteries on a high power drone mm -hmm. but they can last for about 15 minutes still um i send him out and he is railing whoops non-stop uh on on the 450 rally pro which i mean gosh and it was full of gas too <laughs> full of gas no reason for it to be full of gas but that's the way gary likes to deliver the bikes mm -hmm. so he's railing this thing through these whoops that when you actually look at it, they're bigger, they're taller than the bike. And he comes back and I land the drone and I am more out of breath than he is. <laughs> were you, From were, flying were my you, dang yeah, drone. Were you, were you holding your breath? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, cause I was, I get pumped. I love flying drones. I get pumped. And yeah, he comes back and he's like, not breathing hard. Like, like honestly, his youth, I mean, imagine the Lakers, like getting, getting Kobe Bryant. Right. And then just being like first year, maybe he gets like a little injury and can't play for a game. And they're like, Oh, we're going to cut him. That's what KTM did. Yeah. I mean, Mason is kind of a huge future player. Yeah. Um, not only because he's, you know, he's talented and he's, he is a great brand ambassador, but he's just really likable. I mean, he's just, I, yeah. I, I, I want him to win so badly, like for all the reasons, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. Yeah. So I hope he's not listening to this. And if he is, I hope that, that he's not feeling like under pressure. Cause really like, Dual sport is kind of on, not on the line, but like the future of dual sport really does kind of look up to COVID. They're the only ones innovating. Yeah. Um, and so if, if, you know, if dual sport can turn kind of more in the direction of a rally and less in the direction of, you know, the bigger adventure bike thing, then I think it will kind of save dual sport because it is going away. People are going to more expensive, bigger bikes or more expensive dirt bikes and dual sports kind of feels like it's fading a little bit. And so I think Kobe can bring it back. I think Mason can help Kobe bring that back. So, I mean, there's a lot for, for real hard dual sport guys like me. There's kind of a lot riding on this. <laughs> yeah. That's I, no pressure, Mason, if you're, if you're listening, bro, but <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think, uh, and you know, I think you're right. And that's, and that was, uh, you know, when we were talking and I've heard in uh, Alex had a message for, uh, Alex from effective soft. So that was, that's yes, his, yeah. his big title, uh, sponsor is, you know, the, it, the message is along those lines and it's the same thing. It's like, Hey, you know, the the reason these companies said yes is not because of what you're promising at the Dakar or or the 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 notion of it or or any of that. It really is is actually what you've done up until now. Yeah, that's that's why people said yes, you know, and yeah. so I think that, you know, hopefully, you know, when he hears it and I think he understands it, you know, Lisa, Lisa and Larry, his parents you know, yeah. both, both are very like, you know, they're very grounded and they understand and he, you know, he's, he's still got to work for it and, oh, yeah. and they'll push him. And so I think that they understand and he understands that it's like, Hey, you know, I, I just got to go ride the bike. And that was actually one of the things he was saying. He says, you just go out, go get it done and, and, and then just make it happen. And I think that's, that's got to be the strategy. I don't think, you know, until you've been to the Dakar, you know, like Skyler, where you've been there a few times, like Ricky, where you've been there a few times, where yeah. it's where it's a known recipe. I've, I've been here. I'm not figuring any of this out. I've already figured it out. I'm just here to go win stages and to go put mm -hmm. a strategy in place and to go execute that strategy and get those results. That's a very different approach, you know, aside from you know, when the check says HRC, when the check says, yeah. you know, KTM group, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that is a whole nother difference, you know, because, well, if, if that KTM group check doesn't come through, uh, it's gotta be a little tough, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. because that's not racing expenses, that's literally your living expenses and everything you, you make a living at. So it's a very different, you know, nature. So I think he, you know, I, I, hundred percent agree with you. I want to see him, you know, up on top. I, I want him to prove that point without trying to prove that point. Yes. And, then, and I, more, more than anything, like, have you seen the helmet that he crashed in? Mm -hmm. Like, Oh my gosh, yeah. dude, that kind of crash. I've hit my head enough times to know. I just, I mean, I, what I'm trying to say in a, in a slow and very un, you know, kind of a clumsy way is I, I want him to win. I want him to do well, but more than anything, I, I want him to be safe. His career. He's got, he's got decades ahead of him. I mean, so much talent and, and, and yeah, you know, 
I'm, I'm kind of learning this bodies go fast when you get my age, it starts to hurt. <laughs> right. And so I, you know, I want him to do well. I want him to win, but I also, I mean, it's like, how do you develop a strategy of like push, 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 but also like be safe, man, like be safe, be smart. I, I don't know. And, and I know that his parents are, are doing such a good job with that because they, you know, they, they could probably care less about a Dakar podium or something like that. If it meant that their son was getting hurt, they, they, they probably are a very good and Mason knowing Mason, he's probably like, Oh, I'll, got, I'll go as fast as I want. You know, that, that head injury wasn't that big of a deal, <laughs> but I hope his parents can kind of rein him in a little bit and, and just help him to remember there's a lot of future ahead of him. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, he's just immensely talented and, and he's got time. Time is on his side. He does not need to podium this year. Although everybody would like to see that oh, yeah. except for KTM yeah. and Honda. And but, Honda. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, uh, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's creeping up, you know, it's, yeah. if you look, it's the same, it's the same thing that happened with Skyler. It's just this been this slow, steady progression towards where he's at. You know, you, you go to stage wins, you go, you know, from there, it's just like, okay, that's now a known recipe. I now know what I need to do. Uh, to kind of get into that and or to get the bike into that position. And so, you know, who knows? I mean, yeah, this is maybe uh, like we were talking earlier, I think with him is the fact that he has been able to spend so much time testing suspension on a specific bike for his specific race setup, you know, and I think that is a, a, a huge thing. And mm-hmm. and that might be those one or two more miles an hour that he needed you know, and maybe that would have been the difference in him not having a dismount, you know, uh, yeah. that might've been like, there's so much more that comes out of it. So I, you know, I don't want to say I have higher hopes or expectations. That's not it. It's more about like, I just, I, I feel much better about the position that he's in now versus a position. Like if he was still on an Austrian bike, cause I mean, obviously they're not going to hand him the keys. Like, yeah, he has his rally, uh, his RFR here, but how much testing, how much stuff can you do on that when, you know, the, the suspension has got to be done by certain people and there's certain things, you know, that happen that just doesn't work in your favor, I think, as a racer, where if you mm-hmm. have direct feedback, direct control over the components, over the adjustments, I think you're in a much better place. And and, and Mason's pretty technical. You know, he, he yeah. gets out and he, he, he will... He will d- deep dive into some stuff. I mean, he, he in a roundabout way, I didn't know, but it sounds like he's also uh, been responsible for some of the tuning stuff on uh, Carter's bike. And oh yeah, oh yeah. So, yeah. so I'm like, okay, so you know, that's I mean, to me, that's like I, I get excited about this because I'm more of a technical person and I enjoy the idea of like, yeah, dude, you know, I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm going to do this specific thing, like even though like uh, changing gear ratios on the bike. I know I'm not Mm going to notice it, but in my mind, I feel better that this is one tooth higher than what it comes with factory. So it should give me just a little more bottom end out of the gate, even though nobody would ever, and I probably would never notice it. But in my mind, that made a difference. So I don't know. There's there's a ton of yeah, it's, it's true. It's true. And, and that's another thing that Mason really does have going is he's, I mean, he works on suspension like all the time. He works on tuning. He he worked on the map on Carter's bike. Like, he's just 
kind of the whole package. You know what I mean? He's very balanced across the board and just, I mean, I mean, gosh, everybody knows it. If he goes in as a privateer, small sponsors, you know, borrowed bike from, from a, from the dark horse brand. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, just what a story. I mean, honest, honestly, if he wins or even podiums or even gets like top 10 again, you could make a movie out of it. I mean, just, you really could. It's just inspirational. He's an inspirational kid. Like it's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon. Are you listening? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix. Huh? Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, just if somebody's going to make a movie, just please let me be the FPV drone pilot. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, pretty yeah. good at it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. We, we've got the, uh, we, we've got the fan base. We've got the technology. We have the people in place, you know, we're, we're good. I'm happy to narrate it. We're good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You nailed it. Yeah. No, really. You've got the voice. Dang. So, so ta-da. Yeah. Well, awesome. <laughs> well, forget right. it. Maybe we just make it. Maybe know, we just right? make it and kind of do an underdog story ourselves, you know? Low budget. Pretty, yeah. There you go. You know, pitch it to Netflix and then they refilm it. And then next thing you know, you know, we get to fly the world making documentaries on underdog, underdog, uh, bike riders and racers. <laughs> I love it, man. You, I love you it. You never know. <laughs> Tyler, so how do we uh, how do we find you on uh, YouTube? Let's get the uh, just go ahead and search YouTube for Everide uh, E V E R I D E, and uh, yeah, I'll I'll link back to you. In fact, well, maybe we'll talk about it later. I was going to ask you, like, can I put this up on my channel, or uh, would it be better linked to it? We'll talk about yeah. it later. But yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll coordinate the uh, the sharing of the links and all of that stuff. I just uh, headed on over, made sure I was subscribed to your channel from both uh, both of my accounts. Great. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll definitely, uh, but yeah, I'll get a, I'll get a, you know, obviously I'll put a link in the description and then I'll have, um, I'll have that stuff linked up. I'll add, uh, add you on the YouTube channel. So these, the episodes, yeah, they get published to YouTube as well. So it's available great. Yeah. for even those playing the home game, I guess it's a good thing to cover. Yeah. So Amazon, Google, Apple, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, and YouTube, of course, uh, both on video and then their podcast because YouTube music also exists now, which uh, I don't know. <laughs> and then there's a bunch of others. I search the name every once in a while just to go like, what are their platforms? And I'm like, what platform is this? <laughs> you know, and then I'll, oh, look, I have 30 subscribers on this obscure podcast platform I've never heard of. Huh. <laughs> you gotta love that like, uh, yeah oh, like, hey, how a- are they like how did they get the rss feed like i don't know technology is scary <laughs> it is yeah it gets stuff gets out there it gets out there i know right excellent sir well awesome i will let you get back to the uh back to the weekend uh we will touch base i'll send you links and we'll do all of that fun stuff offline and uh and make it happen well victor thank you so so much it's been an absolute pleasure yeah you're a, you're a freaking great host. And, <laughs> Thank uh, you. Dude, honestly, like, yeah, I, I, I love what you're doing for rally and, and, uh, we need to, we need to blow this up. Yeah. It dude. really does need to get big. It's so cool. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. We'll work, uh, we'll work together on it. I'm looking forward to it. Great. All right. Well, thank you so awesome, much sir. and happy holidays. Thank man. you. Happy holidays. See ya. All right. All right. We'll see you. Bye. All right. So there you have it. Tyler of Everride on YouTube got to check it out dude they're just oh man there's just so much so much going on this is so great for rally in north america we have a smaller field of rally of north americans headed to the dakar rally last year was a big year you had 
uh, all of our guys from the American Rally Originals that headed over and did this. You know, you've got Kyle McCoy, who's going to be headed back and attempting the Dakar again, uh, you know, in the Malamoto class, you know, unfinished business. Definitely going to be looking forward to keeping up with him on that story. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll try and touch base with him on that one. All of this stuff that's just all of these different rally racers and and rally riders and all of this community, all of this stuff is growing 100% behind it and, and, and just trying to figure out, you know, what are the basics? What are the recipes? So this is where I'm going to sign off. But before I do, no, not going to do that yet. Hey, if you've got an idea, if you got some like, okay, how, you know, man, I really wish I, you know, I want to get into rally, but I don't have ABCD, you know, or I want to know more about ABCD. If you're on Spotify, hit that question and answer section. It's right in the app. You can do it right from the app. You don't have to go anywhere fancy. If you're on any of the other platforms, do not hesitate. Send me a message uh, on Instagram. If I don't respond within a day, uh, leave a comment on one of the pictures because I, I don't know. There's like 16 inboxes that they have, but whatever. But hit us up. Let's get it going. What do you, what do you guys want to see? What, what do you think would help maybe grow the rally community? What would you like to see more of? Um, and let's, uh, let's get this going. So anyway, with that being said, guys, remember, it'll make sense when you get there. Enjoy the ride. All right. That is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Looking forward to our next one coming up. Remember, if you are out riding, do not forget to tag us at Chasing Waypoints. Hashtag Chasing Waypoints. And if you haven't already, get on over to the website. Get signed up for the newsletter, The Bivouac. North America's Rally Raid and Adventure Riding newsletter. Hey, let's have some fun. Let's find out what are you guys up to. Let's get you featured. If you're a brand and looking to get supported, get some eyeballs, get some ears on your business. Absolutely. Hit us up. Send us a message at podcast at chasing waypoints. But anyway, that is a wrap. Remember shiny side up. See you guys.